high price. Lord, we come saying thank you. Thank you for a new year. Thank you for an opportunity to leave our old ways and walk in you, Jesus. Thank you. Quicken now this word. I pray in your holy name. Amen. There is an illusion of middle ground. It is the illusion that says, I can have a place where I can just live my life. I can have a place where everything is neutral, where I'll do my best, I'll live the best I can, but I'm in neutral ground. I'm not under the law, but I haven't been fully crucified either. So I know how to hang with the world, and I know how to hang with God. I actually had a, a pastor say that to me. He said, I don't want to be too godly, because then I'm no worldly good. He said, I have to know how to hang with the world. I have to know how to go to the party. I have to know how to have a good time. But then I have to also know how to be with God. I said, my brother, you are not a Christian. And you should resign your pastorate. And with that, he angrily turned and walked away from me. It is a deadly belief to think that there is any neutral ground in this world. This pleasant place that we Americans have had to live in is the exception in the world. It is not the norm. You find no neutral ground in many nations of the world today. You find persecution, you find death, you find poverty beyond belief. We think we're poor in America. Try going to India and see the people living on the streets, camping in cardboard boxes if they're wealthy. Many just on a mat on the ground or just on the ground. Hunger is rampant around the world. Unemployment is incredible. Disease. Makes your heart break. So here we are in America, and it seems like we have neutral ground, but I want to tell you something. America did not happen by chance. America happened because men and women were willing to pay the price to write the Constitution and to write the Bill of Rights. Coming from the Magna Carta many years prior, America didn't just happen. America happened because of the Christian beliefs that we hold so precious. America has enjoyed 
the grandest lifestyle ever enjoyed in the world. I can tell you today, King David, with all of his gold and silver, never got to even drive a VW Bug, let alone a Cadillac or a Mercedes or one of these beautiful SUVs I see parked outside. What do you think David would have given to have lived for a week in America? He would have been utterly upset with his hard bed. I tell you, I lay down on my bed at night, and it's like sleeping on feathers. King David didn't have that kind of bed. He would be astonished at the food and the variety and the choice. He didn't have that. What I'm saying is, Something happened in America that hasn't happened at any point in history for the whole population. Are there injustices in America? Of course there are. It's not heaven. In heaven, there will be no injustice. But such luxury, such lifestyle... Many nations, you go in the department store and they have this wonderful variety of winter coats. They have a black and they have a gray. And they have a black and they have a gray. That's it. Which would you like, a black or a gray? I go into the stores here and there's a purple one, there's a red one, there's a blue one. There is a black one. There's a white one. This didn't happen by chance. This grew directly out of the Judeo-Christian beliefs that we have held. The freedom of America for which the world is scrambling, trying to get in. Isn't it amazing? I don't see any lines trying to get into Tehran. I don't see any lines of people fighting to get into Egypt. I don't see lines of people trying to get into the Ivory Coast. I don't see lines of people trying to jam their way into Mexico except to get through it to get to America. What is it about America that everybody wants to come for? They want to come for freedom. They want to come for luxury. They want to come for an opportunity to better their families. Why is America great? Because the early founders of our nation were serious about God. Justice Scalia this last week Yesterday, as a matter of fact, speaking at a Catholic institution, said we must give up the idea in America that the government must be neutral toward religious faith. He said we were a nation founded as a Christian nation. And we must stop pretending that we can push religion out of the marketplace. 
He's right. But with this prosperity of America, with this luxury of America, with the open-heartedness that we have had toward the world and toward immigration, we are being transformed as a nation into a police state, and we are losing our freedoms. Why? Because we have, as America, lost our God. We have thought that secularism and tolerance would afford us what only God could provide for us. And we have then lived with the illusion that we can allow every wickedness to come into our nation. The Supreme Court says, oh, we're going to readjust and say that homosexuality is okay. You can marry, and you can be recognized as a family. What? Did the United States government, did the, did the Supreme Court invent marriage? Or did God invent marriage? It was God who invented marriage. And he said it's between a man and a woman, not between Bob and Steve. And yet we have thought we should be tolerant and put up with every kind of wickedness that would flow into our nation. Now, along with all of that wickedness flowing in, with Hollywood pumping out entertainment that is utterly evil, with television pouring its vileness over all of us and all of us saying, oh, let me sit and just drink it in. We have had the illusion that there is a neutral space of luxury that has been created for us so that I as a person can live any way I choose to live and everything is okay. It is not. There is no neutral ground. I want to read it for you. Romans, the second chapter, verse 12. Romans, the second chapter, verse 12. I want to read for you what the Bible says about neutral ground. Romans 2 beginning with verse 12. I'm reading from the ESV version of the scripture. For all have sinned. All who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. You see, there are many people who have not heard of the Ten Commandment law. But they still die. 100% mortality rate. Did I miss something? Except for Elijah and Enoch. Everybody else dies. Have you ever looked in the mirror? Have you seen that you're not a baby anymore? Have you seen the wrinkles beginning to come? 
have you seen that one gray hair that pops? And then suddenly, you have to start doing what only your hairdresser knows you do. Time moves. And in the progression of time, there is no neutral ground. If you sin under the law, you die. If you sin without the law, you die. There is no neutral ground. Now, there is a third position. There is the law, there is without the law, and there is Jesus Christ. You are in one of those three positions. The first two positions, you will die. The third place is under Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, there is no death. There is life. So for America, we're under the law. The judgments of God are coming upon our nation. We're seeing it with the floods, the earthquakes, the tornadoes, the abrient weather. We're seeing it in wars and rumors of war. Do you know how long American men and women have been going to war? All of my lifetime, America has been at war. I was born just at the close of the Second World War, and we quickly moved into the Korean War, the Vietnamese War. War, war, war. We've become a nation of warriors. Breaks my heart to sit and talk with the Marines and the Army, the young men and women who come back with arms and legs missing. For what? For American imperialism? It breaks my heart. The establishment of a one-world government? Why? Why can't they just leave us alone? Why can't the federal government just leave us alone? Why all the laws and regulations being passed that strip us of our freedoms and increase our taxes? Why? Because there's an agenda going on for a one-world government and the final conclusion where the bar of Jesus Christ is being established. It talks about it in Daniel, the second chapter, where there's this great image that is created that tells about the flow of history, and we come down to the final end of history, and there are ten toes, the feet made of clay and iron, some weak, some strong, constantly fighting one against the other, and suddenly there is a stone cut out without hands that comes down and strikes this great image on the feet, grinds it to powder, and the wind blows it away. And this mountain grows and fills the whole earth. Well, what is that mountain? The church of Jesus Christ. It's the kingdom of the Almighty God. 
we have the opportunity to be between the iron and the clay nations. So America, the iron, is crushing the clay. Russia, China, the huge nations crushing the smaller nations, setting many nations on fire, destroying their governments, as in Afghanistan, Iraq. bloodshed, mayhem. We're witnessing all of this. What we're witnessing is the final end of the age when Jesus Christ is coming with great power to destroy the destroyers and the men and women who build the one world government. We're moving toward a cashless society. Why? So the control grid can be lowered. You'll go soon to a store. They don't accept cash. You have to use a little card. European nations are already instituting this. This is not imaginary. This is happening now. In the midst of all of this, We as a church have to wake up and recognize there is no neutral ground. You're either under the judgment of God because you break his commandments and his laws, or you live in what you consider neutral ground and you die anyway, or you come into Jesus Christ where there is life and you walk by faith in Jesus Christ. And he makes you righteous. He washes you. He cleanses you. He transforms you into his likeness. Look, I'm an alien and a stranger here. This is not my home. Heaven is my home. Jesus is my Lord. I don't serve an earthly commander. I serve a heavenly commander. I don't use the weapons of this world. I use heavenly weapons to tear down strongholds of wickedness. This is the church. The church is not a place we attend. The church is a people whom we are in Jesus Christ. It's a people who are walking in righteousness, who are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus, who has Christ formed in them. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, when we go into the book of Galatians, Paul deals in Galatians with those who walk under the law, who try by their own power and their own ability to build their kingdom, who try by their own power to be responsible for themselves. He speaks about a terrifying example. Chapter 4, verse beginning with 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? 
it is written that Abram had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Let's stop for a moment and think about this. Moses came with the children of Israel out of Egypt to this great mountain. This mountain was filled with fire and with smoke and with thunder. It was terrifying. Even for Moses, it was terrifying. He was fearful lest he lose his life. God came and spoke and gave the law. They said, we will do all that you have commanded. But they couldn't. They failed. Time after time, they failed. They could not do what the law commanded. The law was not written in their hearts. The law was external. And they had to apply their external life to that law. But their internal life was not transformed. And so their inner person was constantly in rebellion against the authority that was being exercised over them. Rebellion is a sure sign of living under the law. Rebellion is a sure sign that I am yet not one with Jesus Christ. When I am one with Jesus Christ, the law is written in my heart, and when I'm doing my own will, I'm doing the will of God. Because there is an internal testimony that says, I want Jesus. And I've given him authority over my heart and my life, and he has written his will in my inner being. That's called the new covenant. It's wonderful to watch a man under the law condemned come into Jesus Christ and suddenly see that person's life being transformed, being changed. Suddenly their attitude is different. Suddenly they're no longer bitter and angry. Suddenly they're beginning to trust in Jesus. It's like a metamorphosis. It's a, it's a transformation that begins to flow. I've watched that in many of your lives. Some of you are still just plain rebellious. That's very clear to me, and it should be very clear to you, that at some point you have to give up and choose to give up being rebellious and angry and bitter, wanting your own way. That's all under the law, and all under the law die. We have to come to a place where we say, look, I want this new life in Christ Jesus. And the terrifying picture that we're being given in Galatians 
is that if you simply are going to try to live by the law, you are facing the fire of Mount Sinai. Well, you know what? I am afraid to face the fire of Mount Sinai. And if I create for myself some kind of neutral ground where I say, I am safe here, I'm comfortable, I have the food I want, I have the house I want, I have the car I want, oh, not the one I really want, but I have one that works. Hey, I can just, I can just hunker down here. No, you can't because you're going to be facing the fire of Mount Sinai. The thunder, the lightning, just because you don't see it today doesn't mean you won't see it. You will see it. And death reigns at Mount Sinai. It was a terrifying place because the command said, if somebody goes and touches the mountain, they die. It said, if someone slips around the guards and decides to see for themselves this God, they will die. You could not even approach God because you're under the law. There's death under the law. And I'm terrified for some of you who think that you can just continue living your comfortable American life even as you see the comfortable American life being utterly destroyed before your eyes. You see America being transformed. You see it losing its place with God. You see every kind of wickedness crowding out the righteous. You see lying and cheating and stealing at the highest levels of government. You see the banks using factional reserve currency. You know what that means? Do you know where money comes from in America? The Federal Reserve, which is not federal and is not a reserve, it produces money. America borrows that money, and goes in debt to the Federal Reserve for that money. Even though our Constitution says that only Congress has the power to produce money, that money we would not go in debt for. But for the money the banksters have convinced America to take, we go deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. So the bank takes your deposit, of $1 and loans out $100 that they don't have. And then you pay them back with interest on phony money. Do you remember the man Madoff who ran the Ponzi scheme? He was a piker compared to the federal government's Ponzi scheme. He was a piker compared to the local bank's Ponzi scheme. So what would happen if 
If Ed gives me one dollar, and I create money in my basement and loan out a hundred dollars on that one dollar, well, pretty soon I'd be a multimillionaire, wouldn't I? Wouldn't take very long. That's what's happening in America. Switzerland just frightened the world this last week by saying we are now going to outlaw factional banking. Now, it hasn't been voted yet, but they already had 10,000 names asking that it be put on the ballot for the nation to vote whether they would outlaw factional banking. Well, you understand what happens. That means that if I deposit in the bank $100, they can only loan that $100 out. And they're going to loan that $100 out on interest. And they're going to make a very small amount on the interest on that loan. And if you go to the bank and you ask for your $100, they have to have enough money to be able to give you that $100 back. You understand now that if if all of America went to the bank and asked for their money, they couldn't get it. It's not there. What I'm saying to you today is we as the church, without animosity toward our government without incitement to violence against our authorities. We have to come to a realization of what is actually happening in our nation. Open our eyes and see that the only security we have is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the only place of security we have. And there is no neutral playground where we can play with the devil and imagine that it's okay. We are at the end of history. Jesus is coming again. And it's time to get right with Jesus. With no more neutral ground. But to stand by faith that our security is not in our government. Our security is found in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. Our security is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sure as I'm saying this to you, many of you have already thought about that portion of your life that you have committed to being neutral, where you have room to play with the devil. In your attitude, your video games, your television, the food you like to pig out on, you already have that neutral ground marked out. Today, there is no neutral ground. The Lord God of heaven sees everything we're doing 
everything we're saying, there is no neutral ground. And either we flee to the cross of Jesus Christ, either we flee to that sacrifice made and the blood shed, or we're under the condemnation of the law. And Paul says, this is a terrifying place to be. It's a terrifying place to be. Verse 26, but Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the one who had a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. Please, do you understand? Ishmael was born through the natural process of a man and a woman coming together as one. But Isaac was not born that way. Mama Sarah was having no more periods. She was dried up. Menopause was over. She could not bear children. But by the mighty power of God, she bore Isaac. And it's wonderful they named him Isaac, which means laughter. Everybody laughed with Isaac's birth and said, that which is impossible has happened. It is impossible for you to be righteous under the law. It is impossible for you to walk clean before God under the law. We are all Isaacs. With laughter we say, we have been born from above. We are new creatures in Christ. We're no longer going to walk in the neutral wickedness of our age. We are going to come out and be separate. We're going to be clean by the power of the blood of Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's such good news to me. And it makes me laugh. I have not had the power to cut off anger in my heart. I have not had the power to cut off fear in my spirit. I've not had the power to be confident of the future. I didn't have the power to cut off television. I didn't have to I didn't have the power to cut off my addiction to the Redskins. By the grace of God, all of that happened. So that when I wake tomorrow morning, I can tell you right now, I will not wake with the pit of fear in my stomach. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and say, Oh Lord, what's on for today? What do you want me to say on the radio? Oh, I'll be prepared tonight when I go to bed for tomorrow's broadcast. But I'm going to wake up and go into the presence of the Lord, and I'm going to be there from early in the morning until 1230 when I have to plug into that studio, and I'm going to be with Jesus, and I'm going to hear if there's any changes Jesus wants to make. You know why? It's not my broadcast. 
belongs to Jesus. I rejoice in Jesus. And I laugh because what he's done in me, I couldn't do. He had to do it. Only he could bring his peace into my heart and remove all fear. I face the future. If I look at what I face in the future, my heart would be terrified. If I look at what's coming upon America, I would be terrified. I don't have to look at it. I'm looking at Jesus. He's my food. He's my water. He's my life. So I don't walk filled with terror at what I see coming upon this earth. I walk with trust and faith that Jesus is going to carry me through. And that he's going to carry you through. Now, there's one other passage I want to go to. Found in the book of, of Hebrews. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Now, there's so much in this chapter that we can't begin to deal with the whole chapter. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that is, the men and women of the Old Covenant, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We are not the perfecters of our life. Jesus Christ is the one who comes and by faith grows us up. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross Why the joy? The joy of seeing what's going to happen in our lives by the power of his blood. And he laughed because he knew he was going to give birth to a whole bunch of Isaacs. He was going to change us from the image of the devil into the image of Jesus. Jesus is in the the work of creating Isaacs. Now in chapter 12, he begins to talk about the struggle in resisting sin. And that is the struggle to be so immersed in the Holy Spirit and so filled with his presence that we have the power to say no to everything of this world that the devil would bring to us. Chapter 12, verse 12, therefore, Lift your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed.
Now all of that is happening. Verse 18, for you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest. That's not what we've come to. That's what the devil is. That's not what we've come to. You have come, verse 22, to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. Party time in heaven. They're rejoicing in heaven to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. See, we're coming now to the new Jerusalem, to the angels who are already rejoicing because the end of the world is coming. They see that everything is wrapping up. They see that we have come to the final age. The angels have been sickened at heart because of the cruelty and the wickedness of earth's inhabitants. But now Jesus has called out of the earth his own people. We have responded to him. And he is now calling us to come into the heavenly dwellings. By faith, I'm already in heaven. Did you know I am dwelling in heaven right now? The word says, come be seated at the right hand of Christ, present tense. So I see around me darkness. I see death. I see every kind of wicked thing. This place is not my home. All I want to do for the remaining time until I stand face to face with Jesus is pull as many out of the wickedness and the degradation and the pain and the anger of this world. I want to pull them out of that. I don't want to go to heaven alone. I want a crowd to come with me. I challenge you to look around at the people you know in this world. Would you like to spend eternity with those people? if they could be transformed and changed into the likeness of Jesus? I can't imagine not having my daughters and my grandkids with me in heaven. You all, we better get used to each other and learn how to love each other. Now, because we're planning on spending eternity with each other. Can you stand it? What glory. Is it any wonder that we're called children of laughter? 
Because God has a plan for us. He is now bringing it to pass. Am I angry at our government? No, I'm not angry with our government. In spite of all the wickedness they're doing. Am I angry? No. Am I going to lift up arms against them? Are you kidding me? Of course not. Am I going to be a patriot for this world and fight against authoritarian people? No. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm out of here. This is not my home. Heaven is my home. I don't want violence. I don't want bitterness. I may die. That's okay because I won't die the second death. I just get to go sooner than some of you. Some have already gone before us, some precious ones to our heart. They're the blessed ones because for them it's over. But I yet have an opportunity to serve Jesus here. I'm going to serve him with all of my heart. And I'm not going back. There isn't anything to go back to. On one side, there's the mountain with fire and trumpet and smoke and where we die. On the other, there's the party going on right now in heaven. They're already celebrating. I want to hurry up and get there. None of us are going to be too late to join. Jesus is coming again. 